I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. Okay. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so uh, I've sobered up, but there's still some blackouts. And uh... I worked in Hyman's and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. I'll tell you one more time. Oh, yeah. We're having a good time. Yeah. We're having a good time. Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and I am the host. And uh, I'm back. <clears throat> I've been gone for a little bit. Uh, had some stuff going on, but I'm back now. Happy to be back. Although I am, you know, I am having a little trouble finding the motivation to do this today because, um, and I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about a few things, but uh, I'm going to talk about uh, what's been going on with me, where I've been gone, what's been happening. Um, and. I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to talk about the Bible a little bit. I think uh, uh, who knows what I'll talk about, who knows what I'll get into, but that's my plan. So just towards the end, um, I'll talk about the Bible. So if you don't want to hear that, then uh, I get it. But uh, I'll talk about some other things. But yeah, I've been gone. I had surgery. Uh, As you know, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know, I've been dealing with some stomach problems. Uh, since November, so I'm going to get into that. I haven't decided yet if I want to go into detail about it. Uh, I kind of do, but I also, I don't know. I share a lot on the podcast, but I don't know how personal I really want to get, but I'll probably get in there. But I feel good, Um, so let's do this. I think this is the right button. No, that's not it. Let's see this. That's not it either. What about this one? Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going? Where they been? Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going, where we've been. So I'm just going to jump right in uh, on where I left off. Where have I been? Well, <clears throat> uh, the last club that I worked uh, before I got sick was uh, Lexington, Kentucky, the uh, comedy off Broadway. And uh, my feature was Lee Kimbrell, uh, who's I've worked with before from Cincinnati. We had a great time. I had a really good time. I did. We did four shows. Uh, I think they were all pretty much sold out, and it was really great. I love that club. I love going there. I love Lexington. I used to love Lexington a uh, little more than I do now. It's uh, very like they're very COVID strict protocol, which you know I don't like. Uh, I had a lady comment on a on a, a thing that I posted just yesterday. A very nice comment, but also like I want to see if I can find it, because uh, I thought it was interesting. Because it must be COVID stuff that she doesn't like. Because I don't know what other stands I'm taking to get people riled up. Let's see if I can find it. 
I should have looked this up before. It just came to me that she said this. We'll find it. Uh, let's see. I hate... Sometimes when I edit the podcast, I'll realize that there's a lot of silence and I like, I go, what happened? Did it cut off? And I'm like, oh no, that's just me looking for a thing. So, uh, you know, I try to get prepared, but I'm not always, but anyway, she said something very nice. She said something like, you're my favorite comic. And then she said, I don't always agree with everything. And I'm like, well, what could she disagree with me on? And then I thought, oh, well, on the podcast, I go on mask and COVID rants here and there. And then another person had said to me on an Instagram post, he said, uh, once COVID is over, are you still going to wear the bandana around your neck? And I said, well, of course, you know, that's my new look. And plus, COVID is not going away. And it's not. If uh, you think that it's going to be going away soon, uh, I don't want to burst your bubble. Uh, but I think it's here to stay. I think it is a part of our new lifestyle, uh, which makes me very sad. I mean, there is a lot of things that is bringing me sadness and it is harder to harder to say we're having a good time, but you know what? We got to stay, we got to stay strong, but so that's the place where I got yelled at in a Whole Foods. I got yelled at in a Whole Foods in Lexington the last time I went, but you know what? I, I actually did some research on Whole Foods, and I, uh, I've, I've come to the conclusion that uh, Whole Foods is lying to us anyway by telling us that all of their stuff is organic and this and that. I don't think it's true. I think the same truck goes to Kroger and Piggly Wiggly that goes to Whole Foods, and I think it's all a lie. So I've stopped shopping there anyway, uh, so it doesn't matter. They also have ties with Amazon, which I do still order from Amazon, but um, I don't know. I just no longer believe the Whole Foods lie. Trader Joe's is also pretty intense about stuff. And, uh, so I'm not sure that I'm on board with them anymore either. And, I, and, and the weird thing that's happened is that COVID is, is, has been made like political in a way to where if you don't agree with everything that you're being told, you're like, uh, you're like one party. And then if you do believe in everything, then you're a different party. And I don't, I just don't think that's accurate either. I think that you can, um, not be affiliated with any party. Cause I personally don't trust any politician. Uh, I think that you can, um, not like what's happening and not be associated with a political party. I just think all our freedoms are being taken away over and over and over again. And it's like, it's wild to see. It is really wild to see this happening and people continue to accept it. And uh, I think it's crazy. I don't like talking about these sorts of things. And I'm so tired of talking about COVID with people, but it's a wild time. And believe me, when I'm, I got a, like an eight inch cut uh, down my stomach So I've spent a lot of time laying around, letting that heal. And I read a lot of things, you know. I mean, uh, our good buddy, uh, Dr. Fauci, told us in the beginning that masks don't work, that it doesn't work the way you think it works. He said, actually, if you're wearing a mask all day, you're fumbling with it, you're fiddling with it, and you could actually be doing more damage. And then later he comes out and he says, oh, I was lying about that because I didn't want everybody to use all the PPE or whatever uh, before uh, the doctors had it. I wanted the doctors to make sure they had plenty. And it's like, I just don't really believe people that admit to lying to me. 
right? Everybody lies once in a while to cover themselves, but just to outright go, hey, that mask is not going to work. Don't wear it. And then later go, well, listen, guys, I was lying about it. Of course you need to wear it. And there's several examples of that. Uh, but anyway, you know how I feel about it. I, I even made this bumper. Let's see if I can find it. That's not it. That's not it. This, this is going to be it. All right, here it is. Your weekly mask rant. I made that, <laughs> and uh, I'm so proud of myself. I made that. That's the first bumper I ever made, uh, and I just think it's funny, right? I think it's funny. It's hilarious to me. I went to, uh, while I was in Lexington, I was staying at this hotel, and, uh, at, and I had bought some cereal, and I wanted to eat the cereal in my hotel room, but I realized I didn't have a bowl. So I went to the front desk, and I said to the guy, I said, hey, can I get a bowl? And he goes, oh, he goes, you know, because of COVID, we got rid of all the bowls. We got rid of everything that you can touch, you know, so that it doesn't spread. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I didn't say this, but I was like, oh, okay. So, like, the sheets, uh, you got rid of those because we all sleep on those. And, like, the glasses that are at the bar right now, you got rid of those. And uh, so you got rid of, like, the carpet and the chairs and uh, the toilet seats, you know, all the things that you touch. And it's like, I hope you wash the bowls, dude. You don't wash the bowls. And I didn't believe that they didn't have bowls. But I didn't, you know, that guy's just doing a job, you know, just doing what he's told. So the next morning, so I ate, well, that night I ate cereal out of a coffee cup. And then the next morning I went to breakfast and I go, hey, can I get a bowl? And they were like, yeah, no problem. And they got me a bowl. And it was like just that easy. It's like, I know you got bowls around here, dude. So that's one, just one thing. And then this is another thing. I went to a restaurant with my friend and his dad. His dad was in town and I wanted to go to eat with them. So my friend lives in East Nashville, which if you're not familiar with the area, East Nashville is kind of more of a hipster side of town. And uh, it's very cool. I love East Nashville. I love going there. It's got some of the best restaurants. And we went to a restaurant in East Nashville. And the restaurant we went to, despite everything I'm going to say after this, the food was fantastic. Like, I was blown away by how good the food was because I wanted to hate the restaurant. I walk in, I'm with his dad, and I know I know, I know, the protocol, right? You put your mask on to walk in the restaurant, and then you sit down and you take your mask off. I get it. I know that's happening. I just do it now, right? So, so we did that, and we go sit down, and then they say to us, they go, we appreciate you wearing your mask when you came in. And also, anytime the server comes to your table, we want you to put the mask back on to talk to the server. And I had never heard that before. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, okay. And if, if at that point, if it were just me at the restaurant or just me and my wife, we would have left because I'm not doing that. That's a weird game that I can't play. But they did it, and then my friend's dad had been drinking a bit, and I don't guess he heard them say that. So every time the server came back over, he didn't put his mask on, and I wasn't going to do it either. I'm like, if he's not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. So a lady comes up to us, and she goes, uh, she goes, she's the hostess. And again, I guess these people are just doing their jobs. I'm not mad at the specific people. And she said, 
Uh, we do ask that you put your mask back on when the server comes over. And if you're not willing to, co to comply, then I'll wait on you because I've had my vaccine. And I was just like, this is so weird. This is so weird that we're living in this place because I've been to states and cities where you would have thought that COVID never even happened. And in this restaurant, we're like living like we're under uh, a, a real attack. And I've been in the hospital. So, and I'm honestly, I'm, all right, so I'm, I'm going to be done with this mass rant. Uh, that was fun for me. I've had a great time talking about it. And thank you for listening. But um, I'm done with it. And, and you know, I just want to state for the record. The weird thing is, is that, you know, people get upset with me about it. And I get it. I mean, people have been consuming the news. And they've been, you know, they're in a lot of fear. And if you uh, want to wear the mask, I'm, I will never make fun of you about it. I mean, if you're alone outside, I will. Uh, in my head, I'll make fun of you about it. But, you know, if, you, if you're if you concerned and, and, and want to take precaution, I mean, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all for you being safe, and I'll never do anything to disrespect you. I'll never try to invade your space and make you uncomfortable in any kind of way. I respect people's personal freedoms. But I also expect that people will respect my personal freedom. And the weird thing that's happened is it's like, well, if you don't do this, then you're going to get me sick. And I just don't believe that's true. I had a friend tell me one time, he was like, my mom was in a room with another lady and they had to remove their mask for just a second. And in that second, they got COVID. I just don't believe that's when it happened. I believe it just happens. A lot of my friends who have got COVID, and I don't think that it's not real, and I don't think that it's not serious, but a lot of my friends that have gotten it are some of the most heavy mask wearers I know. And I just think it's something that you can't hide from. And, you know, I don't know. So anyway, the food was delicious. We had a great time, but it was very awkward because my friend's dad was like, he's like old school and like flirting with the waitresses and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, even my friend was like telling his dad, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> and it was pretty uncomfortable, but also hilarious at the same time. And then, you know, he tipped well and we had a good time and it was great. Um, but it is a weird time we're living in. Uh, I just heard somebody talking about the movie V for Vendetta. Apparently, I've ordered the movie because I want to watch it now. But apparently, it's about a virus coming to the world and and then an authoritarian dictator coming in and taking over because of the virus. And I'm like, ooh, that's kind of spot on. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to come. But uh, I hope for the best. I always hope for the best. Um, but uh, this podcast has gone in a different direction than I wanted it to go. But I had a great time in Lexington. The comedy club is so great. And the, the, the audiences, I said it was sold out, sold out, COVID sold out. Obviously, they're spread out. Tables have been removed. Obviously, all that's happening. And then I'm going to Bloomington, Indiana this weekend to the Comedy Attic. I'm very excited. I've never been to the Comedy Attic. And I've only heard great things about the club. I hear that's one of the best clubs in the country and that the owner of that club does a really good job of running it and he really cares about comedy and I appreciate that. My wife's been there several times and she's worked that club and she's got nothing but good things to say about it and I'm excited to go. I'm excited to work that club and that'll be this will be my first week back after the surgery. So now I'd like to talk about that a little bit. 
I just want to give you a rundown. If you haven't tuned out because you're upset with me about my COVID rant, uh, thank you for sticking with me. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what to talk about these days. I mean, it's like COVID has taken over the world. Almost every time I meet with someone, at some point in our conversation, it's going to be about COVID. It's going to be about how has it affected you? What's been going on? What's it like in your area? That's that's the new talk. Uh, but, all right, so in early November, I was at the St. Louis Funny Bone, and I started to experience some stomach pains. I had really bad stomach pains, and you probably know about all this anyway, and I had bad stomach pains all that weekend. I still did shows, but I had bad stomach pains. And then after the St. Louis weekend, I had a week off, and um, I started to get better. Things started to feel better, but I had gone to the doctor during that time. I went to the doctor to get my stomach checked out, which I don't do often. I never go to the doctor, but I decided to go, and they ran blood tests on me, and they pushed all over my stomach to see if I had pain. I had no pains anywhere. So they ran blood tests. The blood came back, said, you're good. Said, you have no problems. All your organs look good. So I said, great. All right. Well, I don't know what that pain was all about, but let's move past it. And then I would feel fine for about a week. And then suddenly the pains would come back. And I thought, well, maybe it's something I ate. So I'll avoid that. And then I would get better, and then for about a week, and then the pains would come back. So I did a lot of shows in November and December in pain. I was in a lot of discomfort uh, throughout those times, but I still did my shows because uh, I'm a hard worker. I don't like canceling shows. I've canceled three weekends because of the surgery, and I canceled two in January because of other problems. And I don't like doing that. I hate that. I hate not working. Uh, it's not in me to not work. So I've canceled uh, in Auburn, Auburn, Alabama that weekend there. That was my, that's basically my hometown. And a lot of people that I grew up with were coming to the shows and it was going to be this great reunion of sorts. My, my stepbrothers were going to be coming, people from all around, people that know my, you know, my dad and my mom. And it was going to be really great. And I went into the hospital. So I missed that. I missed uh, my weekend at Side Splitters in Tampa, Florida, which I love side splitters and I was so excited to go to Florida for obvious reasons because you know I hate wearing a mask and Florida's living free down there and I was very excited to go and then I had to miss a weekend in Phoenix Arizona which I haven't been to Phoenix in a long time I was excited to hang out with my friend David Ross and uh, I was excited to do comedy at Stand Up Live in Phoenix but I had to miss that uh, but I um so, all right, so November, December, I do a lot of shows in pain, and then early January, I end up going to the hospital for uh, appendicitis or ruptured appendix. The doctors told me that it looked like a bomb went off where my appendix used to be, but they were concerned to operate because they were concerned that I had some underlying health conditions. So what they wanted to do was treat me with antibiotics and wait and see if things would cool down inside my body, then they could go in with a very small incision, take the appendix out. All right, so we did that. Then I went back, I had a colonoscopy, I had a, another procedure, endoscopy, so they put a tube in my mouth and my throat, a, uh, a tube, uh, you know, in my butt, and uh, I was asleep for all of this. So, uh, you know, who knows what they did to me, but 
basically they came back. They said, hey, everything looks good. You don't have any of these underlying health conditions that we were worried about. So then I did another couple of weeks later, I did another CT scan where they scanned me to see what's going on. They said, well, it looks like your appendix is healing, but it's healing weird and is, has attached itself to other organs in the body. And we want to get you in for an MRI to uh, evaluate how we need to operate. So I'm not happy about it. Because I said to them, I said, well, I feel like you've taken so much time to let this heal that you've let it heal wrong. And I was upset. But I said, uh, you know, nevertheless, let's do the MRI. Let's see what's happening. Well, a day. Yeah, a day before this is Tuesday, a, the day before I'm supposed to have my MRI, I have terrible pains. I came back from Lexington, Kentucky on Sunday. I come back on a Sunday. I go over to Nate Bergazzi's house. I do the Nate Land podcast with Brian Bates, Aaron Weber, and Nate Bergazzi. We do that podcast. I feel great. I feel wonderful. I come home. My wife is in Alabama having a baby shower with my family. Monday, uh, I feel great. I'm, I'm all over town. I'm doing things. I'm having a good time. Life's good. My wife's gone. I got the house to myself. I'm just kicking it, you know, living my life. Tuesday, I wake up in terrible stomach pain. I am like, whoa, what's happening? So I, I go on about my day, though. I got some stuff to do. I'm meeting with a guy about my taxes. Uh, and then I go to the chiropractor. But I'm in terrible stomach pain all along the way. So on my way home from the chiropractor, I'm thinking, man, I may just drive to the hospital. And my wife calls me and says, she can't get into the house. We have, you know, a, a special lock on a door and uh, that you have to open from the inside. And it's a, you know, we have a confusing system here at our house. And uh, so she couldn't get in. So I was like, all right, I'll come let you in. So the moment I show up at the house, she's here with my sister. And I just tell them, and my sister was coming. She was going to hang out for most of the day. And I was excited to hang with her. I haven't seen her in a while. And just as soon as I pull up, I go, I don't feel good. And they have all this stuff to unload. And I wanted to help them unload it. But I just laid in the bed. And Hannah comes in and she's like, let's just go to the emergency room. So we go to the emergency room. And they get me in. Uh, I'm in the worst pain of my life. I mean, it's terrible. I'm, I'm in an emergency room bed. They give me no covers, no pillows. I'm just on a bed. Luckily, I brought my own covers. And then this guy, I tell the guy I'm in so much pain, and he gives me the strongest painkiller that they have. That That's what he tells me. And then I start to feel amazing. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. I'm feeling great. And uh, I do a CT scan, and, uh, and then the medicine starts to wear off, and I just start feeling terrible again. It's just like it's awful and you know, we go through uh, good and bad and good and bad, and I just feel bad and I feel good, and then I feel the worst I've ever felt, and then I feel okay, and then, so they move me into a room, and I stay there. Uh, for, I hope this doesn't bore people to death, and I don't know why I'm going into this great detail, but this is what I have to talk about right now. So I go into a room that's kind of a makeshift room where they just have some curtains up, and it seems like the lady next to me is in more pain than me, which really made me feel sorry for her. And this whole experience, I'm just going to say, I'm, I want to heal and I want 100% recovery. 
but I'm thankful that I had this experience because now I can better understand and sympathize with people that have been in the hospital. I now can understand more what chronic pain is like. I can understand what it's like to live with pain. I understand what it's like to be in the hospital. I understand what people go through when they go through surgery. I understand how expensive things can be. Fortunately, I do have insurance that has covered things for me. Um, I am thankful to know that I have the outreach of people that I have to uh, not only physically help me and come to my rescue when I need it. I have an amazing management team, uh, people in the comedy community in Nashville have been a big help to me. Um, and people throughout my Instagram, Facebook world, my social media world, social media that I really hate. Um, people really came to my aid and people really prayed for me. And I now know what all of that is like. I know what it's like to experience this. And I'm thankful to have this experience. Um, and, you know, I, I have been emotional about this in the past. I've taken enough time where I think I'm not as emotional about it. But I'm going to continue on. So I told that night they just had Hannah in a chair. And I have not made this announcement and uh, because uh, there are some things in my life that I like keeping private, but I'll just say my wife, Hannah, is pregnant. We are having a baby next month. Uh, we're having a daughter next month. And um, so that's a bit of a bombshell to anyone that's been listening who also doesn't listen to her podcast. She's talked about it on her podcast, which is a podcast called I Got Dumped. If you're into relationship stories and advice with a bit of a Christian twist. Um, that's the podcast. I got dumped her, uh, my wife, Hannah and her friend, Ashley Corby, also my friend, they do that podcast. Um, and so they had her sleeping in a chair and she was very tired. She had been traveling a lot. She had been in my, and she had not even got to sleep at home one night. So I said, go home tonight. I, I, I'll be fine tonight. I'm on drugs. So she goes home and I sleep pretty well. I mean, in the hospital, they wake you up all the time to stab you with needles and give, make, give you pills. And, um, but I, I slept pretty good. And then the next morning, uh, I go into surgery. And that was a bit of an emotional moment for me because I've never had surgery. And what they said was they're going to do three small incisions in my body. And they're going to go in and see what's going on. And if they're able to operate, they're just going to try to take it out laparoscopically, I think is what they said, where they just kind of suck it out. And then they'll seal me, uh, you know, sew me up and I should be good to go. Well, apparently they got in there and they found that what was going on was actually pretty serious and they had to do surgery. They had to do more surgery than just remove my appendix, which is what makes it so serious. When people hear that I have appendix surgery, they think, well, that's not that big of a deal because uh, typically it's not. But I had a lot going on. The appendix that I had perforated, as they say, and had attached itself to uh, different parts of my inside. So they would have to remove the appendix and then remove it from what it had attached itself to and then sew those things back up. 
So luckily, the antibiotics they had given me in January did keep the appendix from actually leaking poisons into my body, which is the scary part. Uh, so, you know, I'm fortunate in that area. So I think I go to sleep thinking that I'm going to have three small incisions in my stomach and I wake up with like an eight inch scar up my stomach which I've never had surgery. When I was a kid, I used to love scars, but I felt a bit violated and I wake up and I'm in a real haze and then um, they take me into a room, they move me onto a bed. Um, and so I'm one night in and I have a Nigerian man named Emmanuel who was helping me. I had a catheter in, this man had to, Emmanuel, which interestingly enough means God is with us. And this man had to empty my catheter. Uh, well, he had to take the pee and pour it out. And then later he had to remove the catheter from where you know a catheter goes, which I'd never had that either. That's not pleasant. Luckily, I was asleep when they put it in because it was pretty painful to pull it out. So I can't imagine what it was like to put it in. And... Uh, and then this man, uh, the next morning, Emmanuel showed up to my room and said, we are going to walk. And I was like, oh, no. And he made me walk. And I'm so thankful for him. I didn't see him again until about three or four days later. And I wanted to give the man a hug. I was so thankful for him because I was so afraid to walk because I was in a lot of pain. And he got me to walk. And I'm so thankful. So after that, it was just, just uh, you know, when, when I was on drugs at several times, I was on Oxycontin, I was on ketamine. I had a ketamine drip, which I'd like to save ketamine for before I get into the Bible stuff because I had some weird visions on ketamine. I tell you, ketamine may be my favorite drug. I, I honestly wish I had some ketamine right now. And, uh, and, I, and I'm... Uh, joking when I say that, but also I'm not joking. <laughs> like, like that was a lot of fun. The ketamine was, but after I was on ketamine for a few days and also taking some Oxycontin. So I had a weird blend of drugs going there, but it started to get dark. There was, um, I mean, I could sit in the room and close my eyes and immediately I was dreaming something. And I would just tell Hannah these dreams that I was having. And I felt like I was making it up, right? I felt like after a while, I was like, oh, I'm just being silly. I'm making this up. But now, I close my eyes right now. I'm not seeing anything. I'm not having visions. I'm not seeing dreams. So um, I wasn't making it up. But it was wild, right? But when they give you anesthesia, they give you drugs, you, your body stops, your, your, uh, your bowel functions stop, right? So you, they need to see those things come back online and see those things start working again before they let you out of there. So it was just a long six days that I stayed in the hospital, six nights, five nights after the surgery. Just constant beeping and people coming in and, and, and giving me, you know, shots and drugs and pills and things like that. And as um, when things started to come back online, they say they pump you with gas, too, in order to um, 
you know, I don't know, something about the way they operate. But I will say, I never like the hospital. I don't, I don't trust the medical industry. I don't like it. I'm not into it. I don't like all of the pharmaceuticals. I don't like that stuff, right? But I will say, I mean, I was really treated well. I mean, the nursing staff, the, the, they have nurses and then they have other people. I forget what they're called. They're called, um, I don't know. They're basically nurses, but I think, um, I forget what they're called. Practitioners. I don't know. Does that's, that's not right. But, uh, what do they call them? I don't know, but they, I was treated so well. There were only a couple of people that I experienced that annoyed me. I hated it when people, most of the time, I'm sick, I'm laying in a bed, they don't bother me, but sometimes they'll come in and go, can you put on a mask? Can you please put on a mask? And I'm just like, oh, geez, I'm dying here, and you want me to put on a mask? And I get tested for COVID when I go in, so I don't I don't have it. And, um, uh, but anyway, but for the most part, even some of the people that annoyed me about the mask, in the end, uh, I really liked and really uh, respected and I appreciate what they do. I mean, wow. I mean, being a nurse, working in that industry is definitely got to be hard work. I know there was a lot of nurses making TikTok videos during COVID. And, uh, but in my experience being in there, it was really amazing and I really appreciated them. And there were several nurses and stuff that I that I experienced that, that, I don't know, that I just thought they were so great. And so as your body starts to come back on, I started to experience gas pain, right? Because my body was not fully functioning, so I could not release gas. And that is the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. I've had all kinds of things happen to me. I have been punched in the face so many times. I've been stabbed with pencils. I've been shot with a BB gun. I've been, I've had car accidents. I've rolled four wheelers. I've twisted my ankle uh, to where my foot swole up so much I couldn't put it in a shoe. I've uh, been punched in the jaw to where I could barely open my mouth. I've been, I've had bloody noses uh, um, and. Um, there is nothing like that gas pain. I cannot explain it, but it hurt so bad. And I'll tell you this, this is a little funny, but it's true. I was in so much pain almost all night dealing with this. And in the morning, I pooted just a small poot <laughs> and a tear came to my eye. I, I've never gotten emotional over a before in my life and I did it and a little tear came to my eye and it felt amazing right so as as time went on there was one thing and I'm not going to get too into that I've already shared the poot which I I almost wish I didn't but I could still edit it out but I'm not going to um they the doctors needed to see me do something specifically before I got out of the hospital they were like this needs to happen before we can let you go and on a Sunday night, I was convinced that it was not going to happen. And it, it was starting to get pretty dark for us and pretty emotional. And Hannah was like, I'd like to put out a message to your friends and fans, I guess you say. I never, 
I never like that word, fans, followers. I don't care for those things. I like friends. Um, that I'd like to put out a message to them to pray for you. She said, I bet that you have a lot of Christian fans uh, who would like to know that this is going on with you, and I bet they would like to pray for you. And I said, okay. You know, it's a little, I didn't want to do it because I look terrible, and I don't like getting emotional on social media. I don't like that. I've seen people doing things like that, posting videos of themselves crying and saying that this is natural. And I, it may be natural to cry. It may be, but I I don't think it's natural to cry on camera. And I didn't want to do it, but she put it out for me. And in some ways I seem, I feel like the video seemed a little more dramatic than what it needed to be. But at the same time, it was dramatic. This was a serious surgery and I've been down, uh, more so than at any time in my life. This is, uh, it's been hard for me because I've never experienced this. A lot of people I know have have very sickly lives and they've been in and out of the hospital their whole lives. And I never knew what that was like. That's why I'm thankful for this because I now can understand more what people have been through. What I've been through is very small compared to a lot of people. And... I now understand it better. I still don't fully understand what some people have been through, but I understand it better now. And I'm thankful for that. Um, but the, um, so Sunday night we put out that video and on Monday morning I woke up very early. I always woke up early in the hospital, usually because they were coming in all the time. But I woke up around five and I actually was not feeling good, not feeling positive. And I said to Hannah, who I said, I just would like to pray out loud. And I prayed out loud and um, and I got, it got emotional, it got very emotional. And shortly after we prayed, a doctor came in. Earlier, that the doctors usually came in around 6 or 6.30. This guy came in alone. I had not seen him. He came in alone at 5.30. And every time the doctors came in prior to this, they were very positive. They were always like, everything is going to be fine. Everything is great. Your vital signs look good. There's nothing to worry about. You're doing just fine. This is what it's like after this kind of surgery. Everything's going to be great. I even asked, are they going to do another CT scan? They said, there's no need for that. They said, we would need to see something in your vital signs that warranted giving another CT scan. And they said, we don't see that. So this guy came in after this prayer. And after the prayer, Hannah came and laid with me in the hospital bed. And wow, I'm really oversharing. But after she laid with me, I felt good. We felt positive. We were like, this is going to be great. Everything's going to be good. So this doctor comes in early, alone, um, and he is a bit negative. He's like, well, we're going to try to get you a CT scan again today. You're, you're a young man. You should be able to bounce back from this. We're going to find out what's going on, uh, this and that. And when he, he said the other doctors will be in soon. And when he left a darkness really took over the room. And it was a weird thing. We don't know at the time. Now I'll tell you what we think about this guy later. 
not this guy specifically, but you know, just, just this, this experience and a darkness took over the room and Hannah went down to get some coffee after a while because the doctor didn't show up at six, six thirty like they normally do. They showed up around seven and she was gone and they showed up and they were just totally positive. Then, all right, well, hold on. After that guy left, the nurse came in and the nurse was like, yeah, I don't know who that guy was. She was like, he had a certain color on his badge letting me know that he was a doctor, but I haven't seen him before. And she said, I don't know what he was talking about. Your vital signs seem fine. The doctors come in at seven and they go, yeah, we're not going to do a CT scan again. They're like, you're fine. Your vitals look great. Everything seems fine. You got you to gotta do this one thing and then you're out of here. They're like, you're totally fine. And then another doctor comes in later, says the same thing, says, you're totally fine. He says, the, the best thing that you can do right now is be walking. And he said, you've walked this hallway more than any patient we've had in a long time. He said, everything looks great. You're on the right path. And then later that day, the thing that the doctor needed to happen happened there was a great rejoicing amongst me, the doctors, the nurses, my wife. We were all excited. It was all amazing. I had been walking around for six days in this hospital in what I call a dress. It was a gown that the hospital gives you. And I knew that I started to feel better because suddenly I felt self-conscious about walking around the hospital in the gown. So I put my pajama pants on, which I'm still embarrassed of, and uh, a t-shirt. And I began to walk around the hospital in that way. And then the thing happened for me that I needed to happen. And within an hour, I was checked out and I was gone. So I say I can't prove that prayer works. But I put out a message for people to pray for me. And the next day, in a dark time when I thought I would not get out of that hospital ever, the next day I was out of there. I was out of there by noon and I was home. I took a shower and I, I won't say that I felt great, but I began to feel better. The first morning after being out of the hospital, I was in so much pain that I thought I'll never get better. In fact, I was walking up the stairs in my house and my wife said, don't fall down those steps. And I said, if I do fall down these steps, just shoot me because I'm in so much pain that if I fall, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it anymore. And she, I think that was a little sad moment for her because she didn't expect me to say that, but I wasn't kidding. I was like, if I fall down this and rip these staples out of my stomach, just shoot me because I'm done with it. Um, but we think that doctor that came in at 530 in the morning, we think that was Satan. We think the devil came in and visited me to discourage me because I got mad. I mean, after that guy left, I was mad. I was mad at myself for allowing my body to get to a place where I ended up in the hospital in surgery, which I think was the wrong attitude to have. I don't know that there was anything I could have done to avoid it. I've been making so many diet changes, so many things to keep my body healthy that I don't know how I could have avoided this. But in that moment, I was so mad. And then I got out of there and I was out of there later that day. And I'm so thankful to everyone in that hospital. I think the doctors did a great job. I think the nurses did a great job. Everybody that I experienced was great. And I'm so thankful. And I'm thankful to be out. And I'm thankful for all of 
you know, the people that listen to my podcast and all the people that, um, you know, are, are, are friends of mine on social media that you prayed for me. And my wife said, if you're not Christian, you know, put out some thoughts. And you know, I don't believe in thoughts. But if you're not Christian and you listen, I do appreciate them. I appreciate messages. I appreciate thoughts. I don't believe that thoughts do anything, but I appreciate them. And I appreciate the prayers. Um, and, you know, in some ways, uh, I feel like once I started to talk about the things that I've started to talk about with God and the Bible and stuff like that on the podcast, I feel like I've been under somewhat of an attack. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not the kind of person that if I get a flat tire on the road, I say that the devil is attacking me. But I feel like I've been under some sort of spiritual attack. And I know that people, a lot of people don't believe in that sort of thing. Even a lot of Christian friends that I have don't believe in those sorts of things. But I do think they're real. And I want to tell you about this one ketamine dream that I have, that I had. And then I'm going to talk about some Bible stuff. And then, then I'll get out of here. Um, and, I, and this thing that I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying that I think I had some sort of prophetic dream. Because I don't think that I did. But I just want to tell you the dream. But it does have like a bit of a Bible undertone. So I just want to tell you. I just think it's a crazy dream, right? And this is, I didn't write this down. This is just something that happened, you know, three or four weeks ago that I'm just remembering. But I was, I saw, I closed my eyes and I saw like a crowd of people, like a crowd of angry people. And from out of this one person came a uh, gorilla-like spirit and then that spirit changed into a reptile-like person. I get it. It already sounds crazy. I'm on a lot of drugs when this is happening. So this changes into a lizard-type person. This lizard-type person then morphs into a turtle. Now, these were a lot of the type of dreams that I was having, just a lot of morphing and changing. It wasn't all scary like this. Some of them were very positive. Actually, I didn't feel any fear in this dream. Later, I felt some fear in some others, but I didn't feel any fear in this one. But then it changed into a turtle. And then that head of the turtle morphed into an entire person, a giant. And it was a giant reptile-like person. And I only know that it was a giant because he had a club in his hand. And the club in his hand had life-size, full-size grown people strapped to it. And he was swinging that club around. He was big enough to swing a club that had full-grown humans attached to it. And those humans were angry. But it didn't seem like the humans were angry at the giant slinging them around. It seems like they were in whatever the giant was angry about, they were also angry about. And he would sling it, and when he would hit things, it would kill one of those people. But they didn't go, they weren't in fear that he he that the next swing was probably going to kill them they just continued to be angry and it was almost like they were happy to serve the will of the giant they were happy that they were on the club and then as it was almost like a camera panned out and you saw this giant amongst an army a vast army and then opposing the vast army was three men and i interpreted these men in the dream i interpreted them as men of god 
And one of those men just waved its arm almost like it was swinging a sword. And with that, created a wind. And effortlessly, the wind took out a large portion of that army. And then I awoke. And I opened my eyes. I don't even think I was asleep. And in my dream, I just thought, you know, that to me was the power of God. That no matter what kind of army the enemy forms against God, it is meaningless because with little to no effort, God can just do away with whatever the enemy has planned. And I think, you know, for yourselves, especially if you are Christian people or people that uh, are thinking that you need something in your life, something spiritual, some type of Christianity, I think that's a good message. That uh, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't matter what's formed. It can't get to you. Now, being that I've been in the hospital at times, uh, both times that I've been in the hospital, called for me at brief moments to question things uh, in my own walk. But ultimately, it always leads back to me. What, you know, I don't feel as though I'm being punished, but I feel like, you know, we are under the protection of God as, as long as we remain with God. Now, now I don't, I don't think that God ever removes all protection from us, but, uh, I think it's important for us to keep our eyes on Jesus in a sense. Do you, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're familiar with the parable and I should have looked this up and wrote it down before, but I don't want to, I don't want to cause more radio silence. Um, but there's a scene and I think it's Peter where the disciples of Jesus are in a boat and a storm has come and Jesus, they see Jesus walking on the water and Peter asked for Jesus to allow him to walk on the water. I don't remember it exactly. Uh, but Jesus says, yeah, come out, come on, walk. And Peter looking at Jesus steps out onto the water and is able to walk on the water. And then a storm comes, and Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and falls into the water. So I just think that is the message to us, that as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can withstand any storm and we can do anything. But if we take our eyes off of Jesus, we are subject to all kinds of darkness. And there is most certainly a darkness uh, that's, that's come upon us. You know, and a lot of times people will think the darkness is what happened recently with um, Lil Nas X releasing Satan shoes, right? And everybody says, oh, Christians are outraged. I didn't really see Christians outraged. You may see people post about it and all the typical pundits, whenever new news comes out, they make their post, this and that. But I didn't really see Christian outrage. They always tell us that there's Christian outrage. Years ago, there was a Starbucks cup that was a released around Christmas and it didn't have Christmas colors or whatever. And people said, oh, the Christians are outraged. But I never saw the outrage. I only heard that people were outraged. 
And I've been seeing this a lot recently. They'll say, oh, this is really going to make the so-and-sos mad. But then you look at the so-and-sos and you're like, well, it doesn't really seem like they're mad. What I saw in the darkness of the Satan shoes was the amount of people that came out to criticize people that might see something wrong with the shoes, right? It's like as a Christian, um, you see the shoes, you're like, well, that's, it's mockery and it's just mockery in the face of Christians. That's what it is. And I just think that it's sad to see that happening. It's sad that the mockery has happened. And I'm also sad for, you know, Lil Nas X. I'm, I'm sad for that guy because, you know, whatever's happened in his life that's led him down the road to want to do that, it makes me sad for him. I mean, you know, we always think that someone has wealth and fame, that they got it all and their lives are perfect and everything they're doing is just for shock value. And that's also what I saw from this. It's like, I wasn't the least bit shocked to see the shoes because uh, shock value has become boring nowadays because everybody does everything to be shocking to where it's like, ah, what can you, what can you do? I remember when I moved to Charleston in 2003, I went to a Halloween party with, uh, my roommate at the time, uh, at a bar downtown. And one of the costumes was a guy dressed as Jesus on the cross. And, ah, it was such a celebration in the bar and I had never seen anything like that. And I was so taken back and so upset by it. And, but that was 17 years ago, 18 years ago, almost. And so it's like, at this point, that stuff's not shocking to me anymore. But the shock was the amount of people that came out to defend it and say that you're ridiculous if you find fault in it. And I just, I don't know. I just think that, um, you know, I don't think it's cool to mock anyone's religion. I don't think it's cool to mock anyone's belief system. And, um, so it's like, yeah, and I, I think it's sad for the guy and I hope that, uh, you know, and it's like, uh, people, people are really offended when you, when you, uh, say that you feel sorry for someone. But, um, I just want to read a couple of things because this is, this is something that I believe and I, and I, I think that even a lot of my Christian friends don't believe this. And I believe that the commandments of the Old Testament, I believe that we are supposed to follow them. Now, there are some that I think are done away with, um, like animal sacrifice. I think that we're done with that. Um, I think that Jesus put an end to stoning people in that practice. I think he put an end to that when he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone, and then no one was able to do it because no one is without sin. And I believe that that's Jesus saying to us, listen, God put that order out there, and I'm not saying God shouldn't do that. I'm not saying that God was wrong, but I think he was saying, none of you are without sin. And the Bible says that if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of the whole thing. You're guilty of all of them. So we're all guilty. And I don't think any sin is greater than any other. Um, Jesus does say that blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the one unforgivable sin. So I think that's the only one. Uh, but I just think that it's important that we follow commandments of the old Testament. Now I know people will be outraged 
and they'll, you know, they'll, and I am open to people emailing me and, and, uh, giving me their thoughts on this. I'm really open to it because I, I enjoy that discussion. And if you've emailed me in the past and I've got not, not gotten back to you, I apologize, but I, I do read them, but I was just reading this one and, uh, this is, um, in Proverbs and I just, uh, well, um, I got, and the reason that I want to read this is, you know, I just, I don't know. I think it's important. I enjoy it. If you're still with me, I appreciate it. And I'm not going to read all of this, but just the beginning of Proverbs 7. But I do think uh, it's worth a read. But Proverbs 7, it says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. And my law as the apple of thine eye, bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Now, why would it say that my law as the apple of thine eye if it is just to be done away with later? Why would that be the case? Why would something be so great if we were to just do away with it later? And then later, Isaiah, this verse, when I became awake to a lot of things in 2012, 2013, this, this verse really hit me in a way that I had not thought about in the past. And I think I've read this one before on here, but it's Isaiah 119. It says, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. Now, I think a lot of people are willing, but they don't know what it means to be obedient. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Now, I just think that's interesting. And then a lot of people will use this one. Matthew 10, verse 34 and 37. And this is Jesus. He says, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Oh, no, this is not the one that I wanted to read. Dang. Uh, It starts the same way. But this is interesting, too. Uh, Think not, maybe interesting that I even found this one in Maybe I'm supposed to read this. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And I think that is intense. And if you want, especially if you grew up Southern, um, and you want to see something like that come to life, uh, just tell your parents that you don't eat pork anymore. (laughs) And you uh, will see something interesting happen. And uh, all right, so... Christians, uh, I mean, Leviticus and Deuteronomy gives us dietary laws. And I know a lot of people don't follow those dietary laws and they don't think they're necessary for various reasons. Um, But, you know, uh, Jewish people, a lot of them, uh, especially, you know, like really religious Jewish people don't eat pork and shellfish and they follow those dietary laws as do Muslims, my understanding. So 
it's interesting that the of the Abrahamic religions, only Christians don't abide by the dietary laws. But here is the one that I wanted to read. This is Matthew 5, 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to, de- to fulfill. Now, a lot of people will say, well, fulfill means to complete. It means to finish. It means to be done with. So uh, they say, well, when he fulfills it, he means that you don't have to do that anymore. So basically what they are saying is Jesus says, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to destroy, but to do away with. But he says, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. Now that seems pretty concrete to me, but people say, well, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he fulfilled it. So it's all been fulfilled. So this is, I don't know exactly the time period from Jesus talking about this to the time that he was crucified, but let's say it was a year. Let's say it was two. Let's say it was 10. Jesus wasted all this time going, no, you still have to follow the commandments, but just until I die. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now that says to me that if you break these commandments and you teach men to break those commandments, you shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. That seems pretty serious to me. So I'm not trying to give a sermon, but I'm just saying this stuff has been on my heart. The first five books of the Bible are all about the beginning and all about the laws. And people will not read them, and they'll give many reasons why we don't need to follow the commandments anymore. But the Ten Commandments, I've gone over this in the past. The first four commandments are how you serve God, and the next six are how you serve your your neighbor how you serve people around you. So basically what God is saying is, is uh, hey, uh, serve me and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. That Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So imagine living in a world where we obey the commandments, meaning that, you know, we keep dietary laws, which from a scientific perspective, a lot of the, well, all of the animals that are listed as unclean have higher toxicity levels, which make them worse for us. And the foods that are listed as clean uh, have lower toxicity levels, which make them better for us. Now, that does change with the way we feed animals. It, it doesn't make the unclean clean, but it can make the clean unclean. Like if we feed cows uh, things that they're not supposed to eat. Um, I mean, Jesus even goes on to say a little later, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, 
for he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Meaning, you might see some of the most evil people in your life experiencing good while you yourself may be a really great person and seeing a lot of bad things happen. That's the way of the world. We're never promised that everything's going to be great all the time. That's why, and it's tough to keep that perspective when you're laying in a hospital bed with a cut up your stomach, wondering if you're ever going to get out of the hospital. But I, I am not good. I want to be. I try to be, but I am not good. Even Jesus himself, a, a, a guy says to him, oh, oh, good master. He said, Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's no one good but your father in heaven. Even Jesus says, I'm not good. So I'm definitely not going to call myself good. Um, but, you know, we all want to feel good. We feel like, well, I'm a good person. So when I'm laying in a hospital bed, I'm like, why did this happen to me? Well, it's going to happen to us all. And I'm most certainly not a good person. I try to be, but, but this stuff makes me feel good. I know this is called the We're Having a Good Time podcast, and I'm a comedian. But long before I was a comedian, I was uh, a person that worked a regular job that read my Bible. And I was, in 2012, I quit drinking and I quit, I started reading my Bible in a new way and I almost quit comedy. I was like, I don't even know if I want to do comedy anymore. But as I grew closer to God, more things uh, became available to me and I found uh, a great love in comedy and I found success in it. Now, these things I'm talking about are not popular things to talk about, and who knows what, the, what what's going to happen. But I, um, you know, I just want to, you know, spread the message that, you know, a lot of people want to really demonize Christians because of, you know, something they've read or somebody they know that claims to be a Christian but is doing bad things, um, you know. But it's like the message of Jesus is to be good to your fellow man, be good to your neighbor, even your enemy, pray for them. He doesn't say go and retaliate. The Old Testament says stuff like that, but Jesus is, comes and says, hey, I'm telling you a new way. And, and, and there are a lot of uh, changes in my mind from Old Testament to new, but I don't think that following, you know, commandments and dietary laws did change. I don't think that they did change. And there's a lot of things that I say that most of my Christian friends disagree with, but that's why I try to just show things from the Bible. And I am open to conversations. I don't want to argue, but I love, I used to go to the church. One of the last churches I went to in Charleston, I really liked the people, but I'd go to church and then I'd go to lunch with them and I'd want to talk about the Bible. And it, it was almost like people were like, hey, we just did that. We were just talking about the Bible. Now we're having lunch. Let's talk about sports. And I'm like, hey, I love sports, but I got a million people to talk sports with. I don't have a lot of people to talk to the Bible about with, and that's still the case. So I'm open to these discussions. I'm open to hearing what you have to say because I'd love to have a back and forth about verses and, and what I think they mean. And um, a lot of people will use Paul. They'll reference Paul from the Bible to say how things have changed. And my answer to a lot of things in Paul is I say, well, uh, God makes the laws. 
And Jesus, being God, um, has the ability to change things, even though it says God is forever unchanging. Um, but no one else does. So if the first reference is from Paul, well, where did Paul get it from to make that change? So I think either two things, either Paul was a false prophet, which I don't believe, or our interpretation of what he's saying is wrong, which is more likely the case. But man, this has been a good time. This, this does make me have a good time. I'll be in Bloomington this weekend. Come see me. Um, and this week, uh, try to find a way to love somebody. You know what I mean? Love somebody that doesn't like you. Pray for somebody, especially at work or wherever. If you know somebody doesn't like you, pray for them and pray that good things happen to them. Don't just pray that they suddenly will start being nicer to you. Pray how you can be nicer to them. Pray how good things can come their way. And, you know, the next homeless person you see on the street corner, give them some money. Give them more money than you would normally give them. And tell them, God told me to give you this money. And I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm saying that is a good message to them. I'm not saying that that's who I am. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, just do it. If you normally would give 50 cents, give a dollar. If you'd normally give one dollar, give a five. Give enough to where you're like, oh, gosh, I can't believe I'm giving this guy this much money and then drive away and forget about it. I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your messages. I appreciate you. We're having a good time. I can't wait to see you.